Pray with me. Oh God, we come before you this morning and we pray that you incline, that you open, that you unite, and that you satisfy our hearts in your word. We pray that you speak to us this morning in your word, and we pray that as you reveal yourself to us, that you renew our minds and transform our hearts. And as you do that, Lord, give us hearts to think and live in the reality that you are king. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Looking into the mirror can sometimes be a really hard thing. I know when I look in the mirror, I see that my, my head is balding and my hair wants to grow on my shoulders. It's, it's a weird reality. When you look into the mirror, what do you see? Because looking in the mirror is hard... We often see what we want to see. We choose what we want to see. And this picture is a great illustration of this. This guy is looking into the mirror, and he's choosing to see what he wants. He's younger. He's stronger. He has more hair. He's wearing a Speedo. I don't, for some reason, he, he wants to see that. I don't know. I also like the cat. He is also choosing to see what he wants to see, that he, in the mirror, is a lion. Seeing ourselves for who we think we are instead of who we truly are is part of what it means to live in self-deception. Choosing to look at the world through the, the false reality that we have created is part of living a life of self-deception. And this can be a very dangerous place to be. King David, who is the author of our psalm this morning, he knew that this was a dangerous place to be. Because he knew that as king, he was called to think and to live in reality. He was called to think and live in the reality that the Lord is king, and he is not to rule however he wants. And in our psalm this morning, King David describes how he and the rest of the kings of Israel were to live this out. So this morning, we are in Psalm 101. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand, and our strike team will come out and hand one out to you. Psalm 101. Now, as we look at this psalm together, you'll realize that this can be a hard psalm to understand and apply. But the key to understanding this psalm is this, that the kings over Israel, beginning with David, were to rule in a way that mirrors the kingly rule of the Lord. The kings over Israel were to rule in a way that mirrors the, ruling, or the kingly rule of the Lord. And anytime you're trying to understand a psalm and trying to apply it, you start with what the psalm is saying in context, and then you move to what the psalm is saying about Jesus, because Jesus says that all scripture bears witness to him, 
So the psalm is about Jesus before it is about us. And when we understand those two layers, the context and Jesus, we can apply the psalm to us. And this morning, I'm choosing to apply the psalm in talking about self-deception. There's more than one way that you can apply it, but I'm going to talk about self-deception, and you'll see how that all fits together. So keep those things in mind as we look at the psalm together this morning. Psalm 101. A psalm of David. I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. This is the word of God that is the word of truth. So I have two points for us this morning. First, think under the reality of Christ's kingship, verses 1 through 4. And second, live under the reality of Christ's kingship. So we got think and live under the reality of Christ's kingship. First, think under the reality of Christ's kingship in verses 1 through 4. So again, this psalm is describing how the rule of the king is to mirror the rule of the Lord. And King David begins in verse 1 by singing and celebrating the reality of how the, the Lord rules. That he rules with steadfast love and justice. The Lord's steadfast love is his commitment to do whatever it takes to be with his people. The Lord's justice is his absolute commitment to what is right, which includes judging everything that is wrong. And so the king over Israel is to mirror the Lord's kingship through steadfast love and justice. But if the rule of the king is to mirror the rule of the Lord, the heart of the king must mirror the heart of the Lord. Therefore, David continues in verse 2. He says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. The word for ponder here means to comprehend or understand. And the way that is blameless refers to honesty or the honest way. And so King David begins his pursuit of mirroring the heart of the Lord by understanding the honest way. Another way to say this is that right thinking leads to right living. You can't live in honesty if you don't know what the truth is. And David continues, Oh, when will you come to me? This is just a cry of his absolute dependence on the king, the Lord, for him to rule like the Lord, which makes sense. And then David continues, and he promises to walk with integrity of heart within his house. Integrity is thinking and living honestly and purely. 
And his promise to live with integrity begins at the heart level. The heart is the very center of our being. Everything that we do flows from our hearts. And so for the king to walk with integrity, it must begin with his heart. For us to walk with integrity, it must begin at the heart level. But the king promises to walk with integrity within his house. What he's referring to there is the management of his government. He promises to do everything that he does for his kingdom with integrity. And he does this by thinking and focusing on the way that is honest. In other words, he does this by thinking and focusing on the real king, the Lord. And when he's focusing on the Lord, he takes his thinking and his focus off of all evil things. This is why in verse 3, he promises not to set before his eyes anything that is worthless. Anything that is worthless is not worth even looking at because it will take his mind and his heart off the true king, the Lord. And therefore, he hates the work of those who will fall away. The king is to set himself against the evil work of those who deviate from God's law. Instead of clinging to their work, he willfully opposes it. He continues, a perverse or deceitful heart will be far from him. He wants nothing to do with anything that provides a misrepresentation of the truth. He wants nothing to do with self-deceit because he wants to know nothing about evil. And again, this is how the Davidic king is to rule because it is how the Lord rules. And ruling like the Lord begins with taking his focus off the deceitfulness of evil and putting his thinking and his focus on the true king, the Lord. Now, as we know, David thought like this and he ruled like this for a while, but eventually he failed. And not only did King David fail, the rest of the kings of Israel failed. And this is one of the main reasons why the Israelites went into exile because their king led them astray. As the king goes, so goes the people. And even though the Israelites reading this psalm after the exile didn't have a king, this psalm would have reminded them that the Lord is king and that he is still ruling in steadfast love and justice. But this also would have reminded them that, da- that the Lord, the king, is still faithful to his promise to David. And this promise is that David would have a a king in his line forever. And that the Davidic king would live out perfectly this psalm. And this promise and this psalm is fulfilled in the ultimate Davidic king, Jesus Christ. You can think about it like this. It's like when a child begins reading and you want them to read the Bible, they start with an ABC Bible. Something real easy. But the goal is for them to read an actual Bible. So the goal is fulfilled when they are reading the actual Bible. And you don't want them to go back to reading the ABC Bible, as helpful as that is. In the same way, the Old Testament kings were meant to point forward to the real goal, Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus steps on the scene, he is the full realization of what the Old Testament kings were meant to be. The Lord God gave Jesus the throne of David. He is the king. 
And this is the reality of who he is. And as king, Jesus lived out this psalm perfectly. He fully pondered and understood the way that is blameless because he was and is himself blameless. He walked with perfect integrity of his heart. He did not put anything worthless before his eyes. He perfectly hated the work of sinners. He did not cling to their evil deeds. A perverse heart was far from our king. Never once was his heart deceived, and he knew nothing of evil his whole life. Jesus Christ is the sinless king who fulfilled the law to the full. This is the reality of who Jesus is. Do you recognize this reality about Jesus? You can't understand the reality of who you are without first understanding the reality of who Jesus is. Therefore, when we start talking about self-deception, it begins with being deceived about who Jesus is. And our culture tells us many lies about Jesus. They tell us that he isn't truly God. They tell us that he isn't the only way to God. They tell us that King Jesus doesn't care how we live. But not only does our culture tell us lies, we tell ourselves lies about Jesus. That Jesus is only with me when I feel it. That I'm hurting and therefore Jesus doesn't care if I sin. That I have to be perfect for Jesus to love me. Listening to lies about Jesus is the heart of self-deception. Self-deceit is not reality. Reality is seeing God for who he truly is and seeing ourselves for who we truly are according to him. Reality is seeing God for who he truly is and seeing ourselves for who we truly are according to God. And reality is not based on what we think or how we feel in a particular moment. Because God is the one who defines reality. And he defines reality for us in his word, the Bible, which is itself the word of truth. But when we start talking about self-deception, self-deception is seeing God for who we think he is and seeing ourselves for who we think we are. Self-deception is seeing God for who we think he is and seeing ourselves for who we think we are. Self-deceit is a sin because you are lying to yourself. Self-deceit is allowing yourself to believe a false feeling, idea, or situation is true. And I do think that if we're honest, we all struggle with this. I know I do. Sometimes our self-deceit is willful because we want to be the king. We want to create our own reality because real reality is hard. But why is reality so important? Reality is important because Jesus says that the truth will set you free. And what he's talking there is real freedom from the deceitfulness of sin. Self-deception only gives you an appearance of freedom. 
And so sometimes we deceive ourselves to hide ourselves from emotional pain. We want freedom from emotional pain, so we deceive ourselves. And so we hide behind the walls of self-deceit. And Satan, who is the father of lies, the father of deceit, deceives us by telling us that it's okay to put a mask over our pain. And so we create a false reality, and we put up a false appearance in order to protect ourselves. One day when I was driving home from high school, I hit a huge puddle, and I made a gigantic splash, which was pretty cool in itself, but it's not the point of the story. As I drove away, I realized that that gigantic splash was only a few feet away from hitting a couple people who were standing on the sidewalk. The next day, I went to my friends, and I told them just a little bit of a lie, and I told them that as I was driving, I hit a puddle, and I soaked these people who were standing on the sidewalk. And I told them that because I thought they would think that it was funny, and they did. I don't know why that was funny. But what was happening there is I was creating my own false reality to give an appearance that I was doing well. When in reality, I was going through a deep, deep depression. And I did this all the time because I was trying to protect myself. And I still do this sometimes. You have reality over here, and then you create this false reality that is close, in the, in the example above, is only a few feet away from reality, right? But we create our own reality to other people to give the appearance that we're doing well. We give this false reality, we taint the story just a little bit to give the appearance of protection because we're trying to protect ourselves from pain. Do you ever do that? The reality is that only our king can truly protect us. The reality is that when we are the most vulnerable in Christ, we are the most protected. Because our king's power is perfected in our weakness. Think about that for the moment, for a moment. When we are the most vulnerable, when we are the most weak, the power of the king of the universe, the sustainer and creator of all things, his power is perfected in that moment. This is reality. Reality is that in Christ there is real freedom and not just an appearance of it. In Christ there is real protection, but not just protection, healing and reconciliation from the pain and suffering of this ugly fallen world and not just an appearance of it. And this is why we need to stop thinking about ourselves and creating a false reality and start thinking about our wonderful King. We need to think under the reality of Christ's kingship. We need to focus on our King, and we need to think like our King. Thinking in reality is how we live out this psalm. Just look at this psalm and follow along with me, beginning in verse 2. We think in reality by pondering the way that is blameless, by walking with integrity of our heart. We think like our king by not setting anything worthless before our eyes, by hating and not clinging to the work of evil, by keeping a perverse and deceitful heart from us, and by knowing nothing of evil. This is how we live in reality. This is how we think 
in reality. We think under the authority of our king by taking every thought captive to the obedience of our king. And we need to subject our feelings and our thoughts and our situations and our beliefs to God's word because that is where reality is found. So we are called to think under the reality of Christ's kingship. But we're not only called to think under that reality, we're called to live under that reality. So second point this morning is live under the reality of Christ's kingship, verses 5 through 8. Let's go all the way back to King David in our text. Again, David was writing this psalm to show how the Davidic king was to rule, mirroring the rule of the Lord in steadfast love and justice. Verses 5, 7, and 8 show the king's execution of justice. And verse 6 describes the administration of steadfast love. So let's begin with the execution of justice, beginning in verse 5. The king promises to destroy everyone who slanders their neighbor secretly. To slander someone is to make false and damaging statements about them. In other words, to slander is to create a false reality about someone else to other people. And it may seem harsh to us that the king is to destroy the slanderer. That is really strong language. But the king... It's called to uphold holy justice that mirrors the holiness of the true king. And all sin deserves destruction because of the Lord's holiness. But not only that, when someone slanders someone else, it reveals the condition of their heart. Which is closely related to the next line in verse 5. Where the king promises to not endure anyone with a haughty look and an arrogant heart. A haughty look and an arrogant heart refer to a person's greed and pride. And greed and pride at a heart level will lead to slander at an action level. Greed and pride at a heart level will lead to self-deceit at the action level. Therefore, the king is to purge the evil that is in the midst of his people, starting with the heart level. Verse 7 continues the king's execution of justice. No one who practices deceit will dwell in the king's house. No one who utters lies will continue before the king's eyes. This draws us back to verse 3, where King David promises that nothing that is worthless will be set before his eyes. He's connecting deceit and lies with worthlessness. And again, this includes self-deception Because self-deception is lying to yourself. And the king will have nothing to do with lies and self-deception. And in fact, in verse 8, David continues, Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Again, that's very strong language. But the king's commitment in executing justice includes destroying the wicked and cutting off the evildoers. Being cut off by the king is the worst curse in the kingdom. And the king is committing to purge sin and to uphold the holiness of God as the standard of living for his people. But the king is not only called to execute justice like the Lord, he is called to administer steadfast love 
like the Lord. Look at verse 6. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land. We've already seen a couple times in this psalm what the king will not set his eyes on. Now in this verse, the passage literally reads in Hebrew, my eyes are on the faithful. So his eyes are taken off worthless things, but his eyes are on the faithful. To set his eyes on something means that his favor and that his love is upon them. So much so that they will get to dwell with the king. And there is no greater blessing in the kingdom than being with the king and experiencing his love and his favor. And this is the opportunity that King David gives to all those who are blameless. And he does this because it's the king's responsibility to surround himself with people he can trust to blamelessly serve him. So this is how the Davidic king was to execute justice and administer love. And again, we know that King David, he did this well for a little while, but then eventually he and the rest of the kings in his line failed. And again, this is one of the main reasons why the Israelites went into exile. But this psalm would have reminded the Israelites in exile, even without a king, that the Lord is still faithful to his promise to David that there will be a king in his line forever and that he would live out this psalm perfectly. And again, as we're following the flow of this text and God's word, this promise and this psalm is pointing to the ultimate king, Jesus Christ, who lived out this psalm perfectly in the place of his people. King Jesus was destroyed for those who slander their neighbor King Jesus was not endured in the place of those filled with greed and pride. King Jesus was put outside of God's house for those who practiced deceit. The Father took his eyes off King Jesus for those who utter lies. King Jesus was destroyed for the wicked in the land. King Jesus was cut off for evildoers. This is the reality of what our King has done for his people that he was cut off in order to set his eyes and his love and his favor on worthless people. He was put out of God's house so that we can dwell with God. And he lived the perfect life so that we get to serve God with gladness. Oh, what a king that we have. He was crucified on the cross because the religious leaders of his day were self-deceived They were living in a fantasy religion that they created. They were deceived about the reality of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so they killed him. But as we celebrated last week, he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. And the beauty of all of this for us is that the king of the cosmos orchestrated his death and his resurrection to destroy the self-deception of his people. He is the king who laid down his life for his people. And he rose again to declare the reality of his kingship. My friends, this is the reality of who our king is and what he has done for us. But this also shows the reality of our sin. That in the eyes of God, our sin is heinous and wicked and odious and evil and atrocious and detestable and abhorrent and hideous. And it took the death of the king of the universe to save us from our sin. 
And if we want to live out this psalm, we can live it out like this. If we knew the reality of our sin, we would want to destroy it. If we knew the reality of our self-deceit, we would want to purge that evil in our hearts. How is your life defined by self-deceit? The second that we get comfortable in deceit is the second that it defines us. Who and what is going to define you? My friends, live under the reality of Christ's kingship. Living in reality means really looking at ourselves in the mirror. And this can be super hard. Because when we see the reality of our hearts, when we look in the mirror of our hearts and realize that our sin and self-deceit is uglier and deeper than we can possibly imagine, that's hard. But if you are in Christ, God knows the reality and the totality of who you are, and he loves you. If you are in Christ, God knows all of your sin. He knows all of your self-deceit, and he still loves you. In Christ, you are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are his beloved child. You are restored. You are declared righteous. In Christ, you don't have to create a false reality for him to love you. Because he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you in your self-deceit. And this is why God has given us the gift of reality. Through the person and work of our king, our self-deceptive blinders have been taken off and we can see reality for what it is. But not only that, through Christ, we can enjoy reality. We can only enjoy reality when we are living in it. And therefore, we need to be purged of our self-deceit. The only place that will free us from our self-deceit is the truth of God's light. But it can be hard to look into God's light because it's bright. Seeing the reality of who we truly are is amazingly hard. It's like seeing the sun for the first time. But the light of God, the truth of God, is the only reality And it is the only place of true freedom and true protection. And when we live in this reality, we can sing out with John Newton, I was blind, but now I see. What has God been speaking to you this morning? What self-deceit do you need to confess and bring to the light? If you're feeling convicted about self-deceit, this is what I encourage you to do. Read and meditate on Psalm 139. Psalm 139. If you look at that psalm, you'll notice in the beginning it says, You have known me and you you have searched my heart and you have known me. And at the end of the psalm it says, So search my heart and know me. So as you read and meditate on Psalm 139, ask God to search you and to know you. 
Ask him to reveal as many areas of self-deceit that is in your heart. And as he confronts you of those areas, ask him to lead you to the place of repentance. And then walk in the light as our king is in the light by thinking and living under the reality of Christ's kingship. Because that is the only reality and that is the only place and the only way to experience true freedom, true protection, and true joy in this life. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Pray with me. Oh God, we thank you for reality. We thank you that in the depth of our sin and our deceit and self-deceit, that you have opened up our blinders, given us eyes to see. And I pray, Lord, for your children who are here this morning that are struggling with self-deception. I pray that by your grace, you reveal their deceit to them. And by your grace that you purge this evil from them so that they may live and think and walk in the reality in the place of true freedom and true protection. But I also pray for those who don't know you as Lord and Savior and King. They are ultimately deceived. And I pray that by your grace you break down those walls of deceit and reveal the truth of who you are and the truth of who they are to them so that they can repent and believe. We thank you for the light. Give us hearts to walk in the light as you are in the light. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.